So we're going to continue on in our series about staying positive, and this week I'm going to be talking about confidence. And honestly, this is a topic that I, when I heard that this was the topic, I was like, no way, not me, because I feel like I've always struggled with confidence. It's like something that I've always struggled with insecurities or feeling like I was good enough. And um, and so honestly, even preparing this, there's been a ton of self-doubt and just thoughts in my mind where I've been questioning like whether I even have what it takes to bring this talk. So I'm gonna do the, do the best I can, but I just to, to let you know a little bit about what that looks like. I mean, sometimes it'll be just the littlest thing that'll trigger my insecurities. It could be just something that someone says and then I start to question myself or a look or, or, or something like that. And, and this started in my life pretty young on. I mean, I, I remember my mom, she is a uh, concert pianist, opera singer, loves music, fine arts, and stuff like that. And so her dream was for my sister and I to also have a love for music and to be very skilled in, in, uh, in classical music, and especially learning how to play the piano. So as soon as I was old enough, when I was six years old, she signed me up with a piano teacher, Laurel Ridgway, and um, our next door neighbor, had a, had a daughter who was also six years old, and so we thought it was very convenient. The teacher could come to each house, give each of us a half an hour lesson, and um, and we started at the same time on the same day. So Stacy Wong and I started taking piano lessons together. The very first day we took, we got our beginner book and we started to learn how to play hot cross buns and you know all those basic sort of songs. And she would go to my house first and then she'd go to Stacy's house. And sometimes I would listen on and like see, because I could hear the music playing in the house next door. And, um, and I would hear Stacy play, and, and I would, you know, through the week practice my piece and and keep working on it. And and I would continue to, you know, work on those basic things. And I started to notice that when I listened to Stacy play, she was doing things with two hands, or she was doing like longer scales, and sometimes she was doing scales with two hands. And then she would do, you know, more like it seemed like I was still working on book one, and she'd already moved on to book two. And and then it really became evident when we had our spring recital. And I did my Merry Little had a, had a Little Lamb, you know, just with one hand, little piece that I did for the at the end of my book one beginner book. And I found out that she came up and she had actually gotten through book one, book two, book three, book four in the first year and was playing this song that had chords and arpeggios and, and she was crossing her hands over and she was doing all this fancy stuff. And year after year, it continued. She became so much better at the piano than I did. And by the time she was in the eighth grade, she was chosen to play a a solo concert guest honor at the American Lung Association to spon sponsored as a fundraiser and she was the guest artist who performed. And, and I thought to myself, the only difference between what she had and, and I had was that she was, she was her and I was me and I just wasn't good enough. And, I, and, I, and that, that thought of not being good enough and lacking confidence just continued on. And then it didn't help that in second grade, my very best friend was Shonda Whipple. Shonda was this cute darling girl. She had long blonde hair that her mom would curl up into these cute little ringlets and sparkly blue eyes. And she was just like this perfect, picture-perfect little girl. In fact, she was so picture-perfect that she was a child model and actress. And so sometimes her parents would take her out of school. We lived in California, uh, but not near L.A. They'd drive her all the way to L.A. And she would do commercials and she would be in TV shows and and um, and 
like, and I would just watch this like life that she was having where she was being celebrated for how beautiful she was and how charming she was continue to evolve. And, and in 1982, every little girl wanted to have the Barbie dream house. And I would go to Toys R Us and I would see all the Barbie stuff all lined up with all the pink boxes. And on the back of, of the Barbie dream house was Shonda Whipple. She was the little girl in the picture holding the Barbie. In fact, she was, yep, I think you can even see a picture of her right there. Um, um, and you know, she, and I, everywhere I go, I would be seeing reminders of how darling this girl was, how beautiful she was, and how celebrated she was for being so beautiful. And I would think to myself, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not measuring up. And my confidence would go down. Ever felt like that? Ever felt like you're just, you're just not good enough? You're just not, you're lacking confidence. You, and, and sometimes because of that lack of confidence, you barely even try. Like I remember, you know, not feeling like I was particularly great at sports. And so like when it would come to auditions or tryouts for things, I just wouldn't even try because I just didn't think I had what it took to do it. And so I would withdraw, I would pull back. I would not, I've always kind of felt a step behind. I was awkward, I was insecure, and I was always just feeling like I just didn't have the confidence. And so here's what goes on in my mind. These, I was plagued with this negative self-talk, this feeling of like, you can't do it. You're just gonna blow it. You shouldn't, you'll never make it. You shouldn't even try. Have you ever felt like that? We all lack confidence. Insecurities, and they, they can manifest in all different types of ways, but I think especially in these three types of people, and you, we probably have all come across it in one way or another, but there's one type is the people pleasers. These are the people who are like constantly wanting to get approval from others, so they're just doing whatever it takes. You know, they're the ones kissing up to the boss and trying to get approval from whoever because they want, they want the person to like them or they want people to like them, so they're like, do whatever it takes to really just go overboard to get people to like them. Those are the people pleasers. And then there's then there's the fishers, and the fishers are people who are like fishing for the compliment. They just want someone to affirm them, and maybe you've seen them like on Instagram, where like they look absolutely perfect, picture perfect, and they look they they, they put up a photo, and it just sort of says like having a blah day, and they actually look just absolutely perfect, and it looks like they have their makeup and hair absolutely perfect, and you're thinking wow, that, there's no way that's a blah day. And so you, you comment and say, oh no, you look fantastic. You look gorgeous. You're like hashtag goals on like every level, right? And so we're like, so, and they're just like, they just, they're, they're, they're putting that out there because they're like fishing for that compliment. They want that affirmation. They want someone to, to, to like let them know you're doing great. You look great. You're, you're to affirm them, to, to give them a boost of their confidence. And then this third group, which these are the people that drive me crazy, these are the one-uppers. These are the people that where you could be celebrating something, you could be like, you know, say, hey, my kid learned how to do his ABCs, and they'll be like, that ain't nothing. My kid, he's like reading full books, and he's like, he can read Shakespeare, and he's like super smart, and he got to this elite school. Like, they have to just like one-up. Whatever great little thing you're celebrating, they have to like put their one-up in there to make them feel better because they are deeply insecure. Ever come across that sort of thing, people like that? And so, and these insecurities, it doesn't just make us 
feel bad, it actually robs us. It robs us of, 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 a, of a knowledge and a sense of who we are, and it also diminishes our trust and, and ability to trust in God. And so it can sometimes keep us from following our dreams. It can keep us from trusting God with things or stepping out because we are afraid of failure. So we don't put ourselves up for that interview. We don't take initiative with things. We don't go back to school because, you know, we think, well, I'm, you know, I'm in my late 30s, early 40s, and I can't go back to college now. And so you like, you end up retreating and pulling away from those dreams. Maybe you don't pursue that relationship that you that you could do because you just lack the confidence to step to put yourself out there, or maybe you feel like you know I just can't I can't go I don't try to put to, to get back in shape because you don't want to have to go to the gym because you don't want to feel like you don't fit in or, or that you're not even you know slim enough or fit enough to even be at the gym. Ever feel like that? And so today I want to share with you some three truths to help build our confidence. But I want to share these truths uh, with knowing that it's not about building our self-confidence, but it's about cultivating a God confidence. And so here's why I don't think we should be trying to just build a self-confidence. And here it's because it, there's a lot of things in scripture that help to affirm that. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 from the message version. I love the way that they put this, that, that they, that they uh, paraphrase this. It says, forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. This is straight out of the Bible, guys. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. And I'm not focused on self-confidence for a variety of reasons. One is because the heart, my heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful. Why would I place my confidence in a heart that lies to me, that's constantly lying to me at the same time? Or Jesus even said that, he said, my flesh is weak. It says in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, my flesh is weak. I'm not going to put my confidence in a weak flesh. And last week, Colin was teaching out of Romans 8. But one thing that he didn't share about was actually in Romans 7, where, where instead of having this sort of assurance of positivity that Paul had, he actually shares a lot about his struggles with insecurity. And he actually shares in Romans 7 about how his behavior is so inconsistent. This is what it says. It says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But I, but I hate, but what I hate, I do. And what if I do what I do not want to do? I agree with the, that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know what it, what is, what, for I know that, that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Have you ever felt like that? Where you're just like, I know what it is that I want to do, but I just can't carry it out. For I, know, for I do not do the good I want to do. And ever be like that? But the evil I do not want to do, this is what I keep doing. For if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. Oh man, like, I feel like that happens to me all the time. I have like these great intentions, but I, this, the sin in me just keeps me from being consistent and following through with the things that I know that I should do and that I want to do. My behavior is so inconsistent. But let's look at what King 
David says about confidence. He says, my heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I sing your praises. Our lives have to flow out of a deep sense of identity in who God is and who he says that we are. And so today I want to give us three thoughts, actually three truths to help you cultivate a God sense of confidence in your life. And I say truths intentionally because the reason we need truths to cultivate a God confidence is because our sense of inadequacy often is rooted in what? It's rooted in lies. This, this sense of, of inadequacy is rooted in lies because we, somewhere along the line, we have chosen to believe a lie instead of the truth about, and we're deceived about ourselves and about, about who God is. And the only way to, that we can replace or battle that lie is to replace it with the truth of God's word. So um, we're going to look at uh, what Paul writes in Romans 12. He says, so look, do not be conformed by the pattern and the culture of this world, but instead be transformed. So how are we transformed? By the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? It's, it's by replacing these lies with the truth of who God is, the truth about who God says that we are, that which is good and acceptable and his perfect will. So number one truth, to cultivate a God sense of confidence, we're gonna, if you're taking notes, just jot this down, okay? This is number one, my God is always for me. My God is always for me. He is like that, that he is like on the sidelines rooting us on. He wants us to succeed. He wants to see blessing in our life. He wants us to, to find joy and to live that full life. He, he's not wanting bad things for us. Now, sometimes we, can, we might have a view of God like that, that he's just basically sitting around waiting for us to mess up and then catch us and say, see, I told you so, and punish us. That is not the character of God. He is not like that. He is like a loving parent. And I know for me with my kids, I want my kids to succeed. I'm not like waiting for, to catch them to fail. I'm like rooting for them and hoping that they're going to succeed. And, th and then I want to celebrate that success. I'm hoping that they have success and I want them to live in a fullness of joy. And I, I honestly think that, that when we are rooted in a sense of security and, and confidence in who God is, not only does it help us to, to be able to carry on in life, but it actually creates, it makes us very attractive people because we are like steady. No matter what we are facing, no matter what storms that we face, we have this sense of confidence. And honestly, that is like probably the best evangelistic tool that we could have. If we want to share with people about the life that God has for us, if we can live our lives rooted in the confidence and knowing that we are called by him, that we are, we, are, we, are, we are experiencing his presence, that he is with us, that he is rooting for us, people are going to be seeing that in our lives and they're going to be like, what is that? What is that that she can be going through all these storms, can be facing all these trials, and yet can live with such a steady hand? That is, that is that consistency, knowing who Jesus is and knowing who I am in him. That is what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And God, because God is always for me. Paul wrote to the, the, the church of Rome. He wrote, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? That's Romans 8, 31. For God, if God is for us, who could ever 
be against us. My God is here, is for me. Therefore, who on earth could be against me? Who on earth? If God is for me, cheering me on, thinking that I'm actually something pretty special, who on earth, who, who really even cares who's against me, right? Because compared to God, it doesn't even matter who's against you. If not, we're not, it's not even worth talking about them. I'm talking, you know, if God is for you, how can you not be for you, right? Because God is for you. That's like amazing. We, we want to be on the, like, he is celebrating you and he, he is rooting for you. He is on the winning side there, okay? Imagine if we lived our lives that way. Imagine how different if we, we could look. If we walked into every, whatever we were facing, knowing that God is actually rooting for you to succeed. He's like actually like already hoping that you're like, you know what, I, I believe in you. He like is actually like rooting for us, cheering us on. What would we try? What would we, what would we, what would we pursue if we knew that we wouldn't fail? If we had that confidence that God was cheering us on and that he was with us. What is, sometimes I, I think, what is it that I am afraid of? What is it the things that, I, like, sometimes I, I feel like there's things that, I, that keep me from trying because I'm afraid of failing? What, what is that fear? Maybe it's important that we actually name what it is and examine what that fear is because sometimes when we really examine that fear, we actually discover that that fear is rooted in a lie. It's not even a real fear. It's like a fake fear because it's rooted in a lie that's not true about who God is or about who we are. And sometimes we need to examine that because if we're believing those lies, we need to replace it with the truth of who God is and what he says, what he does for us. Because it's important that we are living for the approval of God and not, we're living, we're not living for the approval of God, but we're living from the approval of God. Let me explain that one more time. It's important that we're living not for the approval of God, but we're living from the approval of God. There's nothing that we can do to make God love us more or, or, or love us less. We don't have to perform in order to get God's approval. And I know that that is so counter to the way that so many of us have viewed our lives. Like I felt so much like I needed to perform. I needed to be a great piano player in order for my mom to approve of me, or I needed to be beautiful in order for society to think that I you know, have blonde hair and blue eyes or whatever it was to be approved. But I don't have to live for God's approval. I live from his approval. He's already approved me. And there's not, through the act of what Jesus did by dying on the cross, I live out of the approval. He has already stamped and said, you are approved. And I can live walking in that sense of confidence, knowing that I'm already approved in him. Hebrews 10.35 says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. It brings us this great reward when we can walk in that confidence that no matter what we are facing, whether maybe you're like living in a tremendous amount of debt and you're like thinking, how am I going to get out of this? Remember, God is for you. He is rooting for you. Maybe you have broken relationships. Maybe it's a marriage and you're feeling like, I, like how am I going to get out of this? God is rooting for you to help you through that. He, he is, he's rooting. Maybe you have a dream to start a business. He is for you. He, he is wanting to see miracles. He's wanting to see breakthrough happen in your lives. He is rooting for you. So number one is God is always for me. And then number two is God is always, he always helps me. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. 
I will not be afraid. He is my helper. I will not be afraid. These past seven months, man, it has been a hard season. We have some people, some of us have really, really struggled. And God is a God that stands ready to help. It's in, it, it's in our weakness that his strength is actually made perfect. That you can see it. He like shows off most when we're weak. Because let's be honest, some of us have been facing some really challenging times in the last seven months. It's been tough. And, and we might look back a year from now, two years from now, and we'll be able to see how God has been helping us through all of the things that we've been facing. But when, sometimes when you're in it, it's really hard to see it. But afterwards, like years later, you can have this like... HD clarity of like of how God has been at work in our lives and there and he's always working in you and it's it sometimes it's it's hard to see when you're in it but looking back you can see that um, sometimes I I really think that it's helpful even just to make a list to like because sometimes I can't see like in the moment what how God's working but if I make a list of how I've seen God be faithful how I've seen God help me over through difficult times in the past, it helps me in the moment to actually recognize that God is helping me. In fact, Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge and our strength, that he is an ever-present help in trouble. There's something about God's presence that actually changes the atmosphere of our lives. It changes the things that you think you can face. If you know that God is present, because because he is he, you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do and you feel like you don't know if you have the tools to 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 work through that relationship or that conflict or that thing in the in the in your workplace but honestly if if you're facing something hard i want you to invite the presence of god to that place. That's that's the tip for you today. Invite if you're facing a challenge in your marriage, invite the presence of God into your marriage. If you're finding it hard in your workplace, invite the presence of God in your workplace because it's in his presence that is is all of the help that we need is in his presence. In fact, he is called Emmanuel. That's one of the names for God is Emmanuel and that actually means God with us. And when we experience his presence, we experience his help in times of trouble. So whenever you're facing those hard things, whatever that, that difficult thing that you're facing is, and some of us are in really hard time, I want to encourage you to look back. Because sometimes when you do that, you can actually see how God has helped you, and you might be able to recognize how he is helping you in the moment that you're facing right now. So God is for me. My God is always for me. My God always helps me. And the third one is my God is still working in me. A lot of times I sort of feel like I, I, you know, I get to a certain place and I feel like, wow, I'm like in this wasteland. Where is God? Like, I feel like he, he led me to a place, but it, like, I feel like the work isn't finished yet. Or I fail. I screw up. I like... I don't have consistency in my life, and I and I like I like forget the ways of God, and I end up in a situation where I'm like, God, where are you? How are you going to help me through this? And I sort of feel like, oh, man, maybe it's over. Maybe He's not going to come through. But His promise is in Philippians one through six. It says, "Be confident of this: that God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to the completion until the the day of Jesus Christ." 
Um, he is going to complete that work. Be, you can be confident in this. He doesn't just like leave you. He doesn't just start things and not finish it. I know sometimes in our house we have projects that we get started and we never, I mean, I have like five different projects in my house right now that are not complete. But God is not like that. God is not a God who doesn't finish his projects. He is faithful and he, you can be confident of this. That's what it says. His truth is you can be confident that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And I know that even in approaching like this message, which I'm fumbling through right now, I was like feeling like senses of insecurity and feeling like, oh, I don't have the confidence to do this. I don't even know if I have what it takes to preach a message. This is something that I, I have a lot of confidence in, but I also have to remember that it was God that led us here. I know that God has has put me in this situation. I know that God has given us a a, a calling and a purpose to lead this church. And while I lack self-confidence, I can have confidence that God has started this work and that he is going to be faithful to complete it. He is going to make up for those weaknesses. He is going to be that ever-present help in times of trouble. And even though I might lack confidence or have insecurities, I know that he is 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 faithful and he and I can rely on his confidence and thank God I'm not striving for self-confidence because I can but I can be confident that he who's begun a good work will be faithful to complete it I can be confident that with through him that I can be more than a conqueror that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that no weapon that's formed against me will ever prosper. I can be confident in that, that going that with God, if he's for me, who cares who's against me? Because I know who wins every single time. I can be confident in that. Colossians 1, 4, and 5 says this, For we have heard your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You can have, you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. We can have this confident hope of heaven. We can have the, we don't have to worry about whether God is going to be there for us or that, or that he, his promise is that if we put our trust in him, that he is faithful and he will forgive us of our sins. And if you are in a place where you're watching this today and you're not sure if you have that confidence, I just want to encourage you to take a step to accept and receive this free gift that God gives us through Jesus who died. He lived a perfect life and he sacrificed his life so that we can have a confidence of a life in heaven. Here's the thing. And here's why this truth is so critical for us. Because if we continue to live our lives fueled by the sense that I'm not good enough, that God maybe made a mistake when he made me, it is going to render you completely useless. Yet the Bible says that God has a purpose for you and that your purpose is only as powerful as you living out the truth of God's word in your life. And there's, there's, there's still days where I struggle with, with insecurities. Sometimes I live with this like low-level sense of inadequacy. But God has been transforming me in this area because I am recognizing that it's not about me being self-confident. It's about me cultivating a sense of God confidence that he is for me, that he helps me, and that he is still working in me. Shall we pray? Dear God, thank you, Lord, for that it's not about me 
um, having it all together, but that I can truly trust in you and I can know that you are with me, that you are my ever-present help. Lord, for everyone who's watching today that um, that is struggling with that, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would put their confidence in you, knowing that you are faithful, that you that your character is good and that you're rooting for them, that you're not just waiting, for the, waiting to catch them as they fail, but you actually are there to celebrate and to empower them in their moment of need. So God, today I pray, Lord, that we would take one step closer to you and putting our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.